Please take your Bibles and go to the book of Zephaniah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. If you hit Haggai, Zechariah, or Malachi, the Italian prophet, you've gone too far. <clears throat> Zephaniah. If you're, if you're visiting or you left your Bible at home, you'll find Zephaniah. It starts on page 666. No pun intended. That's true. <laughs> I looked at that and went, oh my goodness. Oh. <laughs> Anyways, it's true. It's in that black Bible, page 666. That's where you find Zephaniah. That's creepy. Anyways, I'm back into a book. This is where um, I, I never, well, I shouldn't say never. I usually don't get in trouble in this way. I usually get in trouble if I'm outside of a book. So uh, this is where I like to stay <coughs> inside a book, Zephaniah. Uh, and I'm, gonna, I'm actually going to read the whole book. There's three chapters. Probably take me like 10 to 15 minutes to read the whole thing at one time. Three chapters. So I'm going to read it. Um, and then we'll do our study in the first three verses uh, this morning. <clears throat> the word of Yahweh, which by the way, that's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's the word Yahweh or Yahweh, either W or V, whichever. The word of Yahweh, which came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. I will completely remove all from the face of the earth, declares Yahweh. I will remove man and beast. I will remove the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea and the ruins along with the wicked. I will cut off man from the face of the earth, declares Yahweh. So I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. I will cut off the remnant of Baal from this place, the names of the idolatrous priests along with the priests and those who bow down on the housetops to the hosts of heaven and those who bow down swearing to the Lord, then swearing by Milcom. Those who have turned back from following Yahweh and those who have not sought Yahweh or inquired of him. Be silent before Yahweh God, for the day of Yahweh is near. For Yahweh has prepared a sacrifice. He's consecrated his guests. And will come about on the day of Yahweh's sacrifice that will punish the princes, the, the king's sons, and all who clothe themselves with foreign garments. Now punish on that day all who leap on the threshold, who fill the house of their Lord with violence and deceit. And on that day, declares Yahweh, there will be the sound of a cry from the fish gate and wail from the second quarter and a loud crash from the hills. Wail, O inhabitants of the mortar. And all the people of Canaan will be silenced. All who weigh out silver will be cut off. It will come about at that time that I will search Jerusalem with lamps. I'll punish the men or stagnant in spirit who say in their hearts, Yahweh will not do good or evil. Moreover, their wealth will become plunder and their houses desolate. Yes, they will build houses but not inhabit and plant vineyards but not drink their wine. Near is the great day of Yahweh. Near and coming very quickly. Listen, the day of Yahweh. In it the warrior cries out bitterly. A day of wrath is that day day of trouble and distress, day of destruction and desolation, day of darkness and gloom, day of clouds and thick darkness, day of trumpet and battle cry against the fortified cities and the high corner towers. 
and will bring distress on men so that they will walk like the blind because they've sinned against Yahweh and their blood will be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold will be able to deliver them on the day of Yahweh's wrath and all of the earth will be devoured in the fire of his jealousy for he will make a complete end, indeed a terrifying one of all the inhabitants of the earth. Verse chapter two. Gather yourselves together. Yes, gather. O nation without shame, before the decree takes effect, the day passes like the chaff, before the burning anger of Yahweh comes upon you, before the day of Yahweh's anger comes upon you. Seek Yahweh, O you humble of the earth, who have carried out his ordinances. Seek righteousness, seek humility. Perhaps you'll be hidden in the day of Yahweh's anger. For Gaza will be abandoned, and Ashkelon a desolation, Ashdod, be driven out at noon, and Ekron will be uprooted. Woe to the inhabitants of the seacoast, the nation of Cheriathites. The word of Yahweh is against you, O Canaan, land of the Philistines, and I will destroy you so that there will be no inhabitant. So the seacoast will be pastures, caves for shepherds, and folds for flocks. And the coast will be for the remnant of the house of Judah. They will pasture on it, and the houses of Ashkelon they will lie down at evening for Yahweh their God will care for them and restore their fortune. Have you, are you hearing Ashkelon in your head and seeing that? I thought you would envision that. Here's judgment upon them. Verse eight, I've heard the taunting of Moab and the revilings of the sons of Ammon with which they've taunted my people and become arrogant against their territory. Therefore as I live, declares Yahweh of hosts, the God of Israel, surely Moab will be like Sodom and the sons of Ammon like Gomorrah, a place possessed by nettles and salt pits and a perpetual desolation. The remnant of my people will plunder them and the remainder of my nation will inherit them. This they will have in return for their pride because they've taunted and become arrogant against the people of the Lord of hosts. Yahweh will be terrifying to them. He will starve all the gods of the earth and all the coastlands of the nations will bow down to him, everyone from his place. You also, Ethiopians, will be slain by the sword. He will stretch out his hand against the north and destroy Assyria. He will make Nineveh a desolation, parched like the wilderness, and flocks will lie down in her midst. All beasts which range in herds, both the pelican and the hedgehog, will lodge in the tops of her pillars. Birds will sing in the window, desolation on the threshold, for he has laid bare the cedar wood. This is the exultant city which dwells securely, who says in her heart, I am, and there's no one besides me. How she's become a desolation, a resting place for beast. Everyone who passes by her will hiss, waving his hand. Chapter three. Woe to her who is rebellious and defiled, the tyrannical city. She heeded no voice. She accepted no instruction. She did not trust in Yahweh. She did not draw near to her God. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Her judges are wolves at evening. They leave nothing for the morning. Her prophets are reckless, treacherous men. Her priests have profaned the sanctuary. They've done violence to the law. Yahweh is righteous within her. He will do no injustice. Every morning he brings his justice to light. He does not fail. But the unjust knows no shame. I've cut off nations 
Their corner towers are in ruins. I've made their streets desolate with no one passing by. Their cities are laid waste without a man, without an inhabitant. I said, surely you will fear me. Accept instruction. So her dwelling will not be cut off. All that I have appointed concerning her, but they were eager to corrupt all their deeds. Therefore, wait for me, declares Yahweh. For the day when I rise up to the prey, indeed my decision is to gather nations, to assemble kingdoms, to pour out on them my indignation, all my anger, burning anger, for all the earth will be devoured by the fire of my zeal. Then notice the change here in verse nine. For then I will give to the people's purified lips that all of them may call on the name of Yahweh to serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, my dispersed ones will bring my offerings. In that day will feel no shame because of all your deeds by which you have rebelled against me. For then I will remove from your midst your proud exalting ones and you will never again be haughty on my holy mountain. I will leave among you a humble and lowly people and they will take refuge in the name of Yahweh. The remnant of Israel will do no wrong and tell no lies, nor will a deceitful tongue be found in their mouths, for they shall feed and lie down with no one to make them tremble. Shout for joy, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. Yahweh has taken away judgments against you. He's cleared away your enemies. The king of Israel, Yahweh, is in your midst. You will fear disaster no more. In that day, it will be said to Jerusalem, do not be afraid, O Zion. Do not let your hands fall limp. Yahweh, your God, is in your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will renew you in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. I will gather those who grieve about the appointed feast. They came from you. The reproach is a burden on them. Behold, I'm going to deal at that time with all your oppressors. I will save the lame and gather the outcasts. I will turn their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you in, even at the time when I gather you together. Indeed, I will give you renown and praise among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says Yahweh. Squid Game is a demented series on Netflix where people play children's games in the hopes of striking it rich. Yet what they don't know is losing in one of the games brings death. I've never watched an episode, nor am I even interested in watching an episode. I just think it's creepy. But if you have watched it, I don't, I don't know, but more power to you. <coughs> I, I've, I've wondered, though, I did a little research on it, I wonder why they didn't have a game of hide-and-seek as one of the games in Squid Game. Apparently, season two of the series comes out next year, so maybe they're gonna have it then, I don't know. We have to go hide-and-seek somebody. If you find them, they die. Well, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know, I don't know. I played hide-and-seek when I was a kid in our neighborhood, but not to the death. We didn't normally do that. But you seek out the people who are hiding so you won't have to be it again. 
You're determined to find everyone. You're seeking them out. And in that same vein, Christ wants us to seek him. The Lord wants us to seek him and he'll judge and discipline so that we would seek him and find salvation in him and blessing in him. As we come to Zephaniah, studying through this and thinking through this, what's a great way, how can you put this in a theme? What's a great way to put this in a short statement? And this is what I've come up with. There's probably better ones, but here's one that I come up with. Theme of Zephaniah, seek Yahweh, the God of judgment and discipline, salvation and blessing. If you want to put Zephaniah in a short statement, and a really short statement is this, seek the Lord. Seek Christ. Seek the Lord. He's the God of judgment and discipline, salvation and blessing. And you see those themes in Zephaniah. Judgment, discipline, salvation, blessing. You'll see these themes rise up. And seek Yahweh comes from chapter 2, if you noticed. It was... It's changed even there. So there's this coming judgment upon the earth, judgment upon Judah, the day of Yahweh. And then chapter two, gather yourselves before the decree. And then chapter two, verse three, seek Yahweh. All you humble of the earth, come, seek me. Perhaps you'll be hidden from the wrath. And it keeps going. And that's, that's where we get the theme of seeking the Lord. It's, it's a Zephaniah, he's given his prophecy. It's like the Lord has him stop and says, judgment's coming, discipline's coming, but salvation can come to you, blessing can come to you, seek the Lord. Seek Christ. Because of the coming judgment and discipline Salvation, excuse me, coming judgment and discipline, we should seek Yahweh showing we seek him in a changed life. It changes the way we live because we follow God, we follow Christ, we follow the Lord. Because of this coming judgment, and judgment is coming. Because of this coming discipline, God disciplines his people. We should seek Yahweh and it shows that we seek him in a changed life. It changes the way we live because we're seeking him. And I'm gonna go through um, looking at different ways how we can uh, say what Zephaniah is all about. I'm gonna give you more information about this. These themes that come out of Zephaniah as a whole from these just these short three chapters. So here's another way you can put it, uh, the book of Zephaniah, in, in, a, in a statement or statements. Uh, Yahweh will judge all peoples and discipline his own people so that all may repent and seek him. And when they do, he would show himself to be their savior and their blesser. When you come, when you humble yourself and you repent, God saves you and he'll bless. 
all Gentiles, the nations, will experience Yahweh's judgment and Yahweh's people, Israel, will experience his discipline, his judgment discipline, his judging discipline. But Gentiles will also experience his salvation as we saw in chapter three, starting in verse nine. And his people will experience blessing. It's interesting how the book, it starts with this universal perspective of doom upon all, but then it ends with a universal perspective of restoration, salvation, blessing, joy. You see this coming out, this theme of the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh. At the day of Yahweh, Yahweh will judge the nations and also discipline his people. Through that judgment discipline, he will call all people to seek him in repentance. And after his judging, disciplining hand, he'll bring nations to himself and restore the fortunes of his people. Yahweh will intervene on behalf of his people Israel, restoring them as his own people who enjoy his presence and enjoy his love. And then Yahweh would rejoice over his people and enjoy them as his people. You see all that in the end of chapter three. He says, I'm gonna rejoice over you. They're the objects of his love. An amazing statement that you see in scripture, probably one of the most amazing statements, that God rejoices over us. You see these two aspects of God's character, they're highlighted throughout this book. His justice, his holy justice, and his compassionate love. But, but, but they're not mutually exclusive. They go together, as far as Zephaniah was concerned, and he shows how both were important. Around Yahweh's character of his holy justice is his judgment displayed with that phrase, with the phrase, the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh. That day of the Lord has two, a twofold purpose. It's both a time of punishment for those against God and blessed hope for his people. Yahweh's hope is, to, is offered to Israel if she humbles herself of her foolish pride. Yahweh's holy. He must vindicate his righteous justice by calling the nations of the whole world into account before him. So he'll judge his own people for their foolish pride and also he'll judge the whole world. So this prophetic book, it warns Judah of Yahweh's disciplining judgment and he calls them to repentance. And we could take that away for us as well. For us as the church, it calls us to repentance. Where do we need to repent and seek out the Lord? Yahweh's faithful. He will bring back to himself a remnant, regathering them, redeeming them, restoring them. So there's a way to split up this book, this short prophetic book. I won't have it on the screen, but I'll just speak this to you. There's three different parts. Yahweh is the creator and judge. He will judge the world and discipline his people. You see that in all of chapter 1. And then starting chapter 2, verse 4, all the way to chapter 3, verse 8. I mean, that's the bulk of Zephaniah. That's the first part. Second part, Yahweh, the creator and judge, calls all people to seek him in repentance. That's that short little three-verse thing in chapter 2, verse 1 through 3. 
He calls all to repent. And then, third part, Yahweh, the Savior, will save Gentiles and bless his people rejoicing over them. That's where you have chapter 3, verses 9 through 20. And you see that it changes. That's why I pointed out to you. Chapter 3, verse 9 changes things where God goes after the nations, and nations are going to, even the Ethiopians, from beyond Ethiopia, they're going to come. So he's talking about Gentiles, but then his own people, Israel, will come. And thus, this theme, seek Yahweh, the God of judgment and discipline, salvation and blessing. Um, also, Yahweh will judge all peoples and discipline his own people so all may repent and seek him. When they do, he will show himself to be their savior and their blesser. So this is kind of the, the driving force of the book of Zephaniah. Now, let's, let's go through, as we like to do, verse by verse. Zephaniah chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The word of Yahweh which came to Zephaniah, son of Cushi, son of Gedaliah, son of Amariah, son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, king of Judah. Now I'm going to unpack these words. First, I want you to notice, son of Hezekiah in the days of Josiah. Who is this Hezekiah? It's King Hezekiah. Now you've got to understand, this is going back, back some generations. Hezekiah died, and then his son Manasseh took the throne. Manasseh was probably the most wicked king ever to reign. I think he reigned by 51 or 52 years in Judah. He completely reversed all that Hezekiah had done. Hezekiah sought the Lord, called the people to seek the Lord. He took down all these altars and these high places. Hez, uh, excuse me, Manasseh reversed all that. He led Judah back to worshiping the false idols of the nations. And then to top it off, Manasseh, he had his son or sons pass through the fire to the god of Molech. And he named another son after the Egyptian god Ammon because notice, in the days of Josiah, the son of Ammon. Ammon was Manasseh, one of Manasseh's sons. He named his son after the Egyptian god. So now, going back again, Manasseh reigns, then he dies, then his son Ammon, named after the Egyptian god, he took the throne, but he only reigned for two years. Because his servants conspired against him and assassinated him. And Josiah was eight years old. That kid right there was eight. Eight years old when he took the throne. Eight. He became king. 640, 639 B.C. So that's where it says, in the days of Josiah, son of Ammon, he was the king of Judah. But it wasn't until the eighth year of Josiah's reign, so now he's, what, 16 years old, 16, 17. It wasn't until then that he began to seek Yahweh. And in the twelfth year, so... So eight, so four is about 16, 17. So now he's like 20, 21 years old. He began to reform Israel, Judah, of her wickedness. Interesting too. When Josiah became king, 
the Assyrian Empire was on its decline, so it left him free to be able to carry out these reforms because they weren't under Assyria's oppressing hand. Yet, because of the evil and wicked acts of his father Ammon and then especially his grandfather Manasseh, Yahweh's disciplining judgment would come upon his people. So it's actually quite possible that Zephaniah's prophecies prompted Josiah to begin his reforms. So it was in this time, maybe it was in the beginning of Josiah's reign where Zephaniah starts giving his prophecy here and it would prompt Josiah to begin his reforms. An even greater response when the book of the law was found in the temple you can read about it in 2 Kings chapter 22. They're cleaning out the temple, right? And, and they go, hey, King Josiah, we found this. This was a, this was a footrest for, uh, for one of the priests. And, oh, what is this? Oh, it's the book of the law. Well, that's kind of important. It was just sitting somewhere in the, in the back corner of the room, and they find it. And Josiah reads it. He's like, holy cow, what have we done? We better seek the Lord. So this is the time period. This is what's happening. This is going on. These are all these guys. And I want you to notice now also, Zephaniah, his name, his name actually means Yahweh has hidden or Yahweh has caused to be hidden. Interesting. In chapter 2, verse 3, the end of chapter, of chapter 2, verse 3, the end of verse 3, perhaps you'll be hidden in the day of Yahweh's anger Maybe if one heeds these words of Yahweh, Yahweh will hide him from the coming doom. Interesting, that's what Zephaniah's name means. Yahweh is hidden. Notice also, the son of Kishi, normally translated Ethiopian, to refer to a person who was from Kush, a Kushite from the upper Nile region. The Kushites would also face Yahweh's judging condemnation, chapter 2, verse 12, but they would also face his salvation. So notice the generations, too. Um, this is the first time uh, that uh, Zephaniah, and by the way, this is the only thing we know about Zephaniah, about his, what his name means. Nothing else has told us about him except he was of royal blood. So he comes from back to Hezekiah, the king. But he's the only prophetic book where a prophet is introduced by genealogy. So now notice this part, the first few words, the word of Yahweh. This was God's word. He spoke by way of divine revelation. So this is authoritative. God's word is our authority. Not me, not anything else, not people. It's the word of God is our authority. And it comes to find out this word of the Lord is a terrifying message. And I also want you to notice, we're going to get more into verse 2 and 3 in just a moment, but I want you to notice 2, 3, and also verse 4, the number of times the word I is used. It's actually six times. I will completely remove. Verse 3, I will remove. I will remove. Notice end of verse 3, I will cut off. Verse 4, I will stretch out. I, I, I'm going to do this. I will do this. Yahweh God, He will act. I'm doing this. So now, go to verse 2. Here's the introduction, chapter 1, verse 1. Look at verse 2. 
Here is Yahweh announcing through Zephaniah universal judgment. I will completely remove all from the face of the earth, declares Yahweh. Notice also too, uh, something else, the end of verse two, where it says from the face of Yahweh. Notice the end of verse three, excuse me, from the face of the earth, declares Yahweh. Notice the end of verse three, from the face of the earth declares Yahweh. It's like a, an inclusio. It begins and ends the same way. All in the entire earth would be gathered by Yahweh experiencing total destruction from him just like he did in Genesis 6. I will remove all. I'm going to gather them together remove them. That's why judgment is a major theme in Zephaniah's prophecy, a word from Yahweh that would challenge the culture of the times. Because remember, Manasseh had been king. Ammon became king for two years. So the nation of of Judah was just in rampant wickedness. The culture of the times, Judah devoted herself to idolatry, perversion, downright paganism. The land had become, as one writer says, morally bankrupt. And Yahweh does not compromise with evil. He has the right to judge and he must judge to show himself to be the true, just, righteous creator. And he's got the power to judge. He will vigorously rain his wrath against all unrighteousness and ungodliness on the earth destruction, this overthrowing, this cleansing of, of sin, the earth will be destroyed by God to deal with man's evil. The earth will be destroyed to deal with man's evil. Verse two again, I will completely remove all from the face of the earth, declares Yahweh. Look at verse three. I will remove man, <clears throat> excuse me, remove man and beast. I'll remove the birds of the sky and the fish of the sea. So this word, I, I was bringing this up earlier, I gave the inclination, it means a gathering together or to sweep away, to bring to an end. And notice how it begins. It goes to humans, animals, birds, and then fish. You see that. Yahweh the creator and the universal judge will call all into account, he'll call the whole world because he's a just judge. He has the power to undo all creation. And so, notice how it began with humans. It's interesting. This is the opposite order that's given to us in the book of Genesis. In Genesis, the fish are made, then the birds, then the animals, and the humans. It, the order's reversed here. And Yahweh, through Zephaniah, does this on purpose. God began with humanity, humanity because we're the ones who did this. Man or humans are first because they are the guilty ones. We are the reason for this judging, condemning proclamation of doom. Paul says this in Romans chapter 8 how the creation groans, waiting for the redemption of all creation. In Romans 8 20, for the creation was subjected to futility, not of its own will because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself also will be set free from its slavery to corruption 
into the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. It groans. It's waiting for when God judges the, na- the nations, judges peoples, and then restores all things. It's waiting for that. And then I want you to notice also verse 3, man, beast, birds, fish. Notice it says, and the ruins along with the wicked. This word ruins actually means stumbling blocks or offenses. It's in reference to idolatry and to idols. So the idea is this, it's the stumbling blocks of sin, the stumbling blocks of idolatry. So Yahweh will bring to an end the stumbling blocks of idolatry and notice it says the stumbling blocks of idolatry along with the wicked, the ones who do the idolatry. This is what he's going to do. And then the last part of verse 3, and I will cut off man from the face of the earth, declares Yahweh. Cut off means total removal or utter removal of the wicked. The fact of the matter is that there will be a day when Yahweh will come to judge the whole world. Because that's what we read about in Revelation chapter 19, verse 11 through 16. I have it a bit, yeah. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat upon it called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he judges and wages war. And his eyes a flame of fire, and upon his head many diadems. And he has a name written, which no one knows except himself. And clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white, clean, were following him on white horses. And from his mouth comes a sharp sword, so with it he may smite, strike the nations, and he'll rule them with a rod of iron, and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of the Almighty God. And on his robe, and on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Jesus himself spoke about this judgment. Matthew chapter 12, verse 36. Matthew chapter 13, verse 30. 37 to 43. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter 13, uh, chapter 22, verse 13. Why? Because Jesus himself will be the judge. He's going to come to judge. Uh, Paul tells us this in Acts 17. Verse 30, Acts 17, 30, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all everywhere should repent. Why? Because he's fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. Jesus will come. He will judge this world. Peter also picked up on this theme of God's judgment coming against all the earth. Uh, In 2 Peter uh, chapter 3, Peter tells us this, verse 10, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief in which the heavens will pass away with a roar and the elements will be destroyed with intense heat and the earth and its works will be burned up. And he says in verse 11, since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what sort of people ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? 
And because this judgment is coming, it, it should spur us on towards holiness and godliness. It should, it should spur us on to seek the Lord. It should spur us on to seek after him. And by the way, when we present the gospel to the unsaved, we should include the coming just, judgment, just like the apostles did. Peter did that in Acts chapter 10. Paul did that, we just read that in Acts 17. Paul did it again in chapter 24 of Acts. Judgment and doom is real, so they must be told this. So they can escape from this wrath to come, this judgment that will come upon the world and be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ who will save them. So these are the first three verses that puts us on this track of judgment will universally come upon the whole world. And then we'll see next week how judgment comes to God's people, Judah, and he gets specific here. But before we, we close off this morning, excuse me, I want to give you four truths that these three verses teach us as pertinent for us to understand. Four truths these, these uh, first three verses teach us and directs us. First, number one, God will vindicate his character by making all wrongs right. God will vindicate his character. When you look, when you go on the news and you see the horrendous things that governments do to people, people do to people, and even the things that you don't know that are happening in this world, the abuse, rapes, extortion, human trafficking, sex trafficking, these horrible things happening, know this, it is not unseen by the Lord. He sees it all. And if these verses tell you anything, it tells you this, God will vindicate his character, he will make all these wrongs right. He will judge. People will not be able to hide and that's why they'll say, fall on us, hide us from the one who's coming to judge us. And why we, we read that as a, as a, as a congregation. Because that's what we're going to say, but they can't hide. God will vindicate his character. He will make all wrongs right. Here, here's number two. God will vindicate our suffering brought on by evil people. And not just suffering in terms of people who are persecuting you, but also the suffering that comes as a result of the fall. That's why there's cancer. That's why there's disease. That's why there's sickness, because of the fall. But God will vindicate our suffering. He'll judge it and wipe it all away. There will come a day when he will do this. So God will vindicate his character. He'll make all wrongs right too. God will vindicate our suffering. Again, these are four truths. This, this passage is directing us towards these four truths. So there's those first two. He vindicates his character. He vindicates our suffering. Number three, God wants us to seek him by pursuing holiness and godliness. He wants us to seek him. Judgment is coming. He disciplines his people. We're going to see that next week. So he wants us to seek him. Run after him. Go towards him. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to 
pursue him. And, and, and it's gonna show itself, as we said, because of the coming judgment and discipline, we should seek Yahweh, showing that we seek him in a changed life. We're pursuing godliness, pursuing holiness, because we love him. He'll vindicate his character, vindicate our suffering, wants us to seek him. Here's the fourth truth. God wants people to be saved. Hearing the judgment to come. God is not sadistic. All right, I get to throw people in the hell. Awesome. God's not like that. He wants people to be saved. Hearing the judgment's going to come. The doom is coming. Hell is real. Hell's eternal. People will suffer forever in hell. He wants people to be saved. That's why he says, he's hearing this. Here's the judgment, the doom, the judgment, the doom. Then he says, seek Yahweh. He wants people to be saved. There's four truths that rises, implications from the text. He vindicates his character, vindicates our suffering, wants us to seek him, wants people to be saved. Seek Yahweh, the God of judgment and discipline, salvation and blessing. Yahweh will judge all peoples and discipline his own people so all may repent and seek him. And when they do, would show himself to be their savior and their blesser. Let's go to him in prayer. As we prayed earlier, we want to take seriously this message of judgment that is coming. And so we pray we'll take it seriously by being a people who seek you, O God. We cling to you, O Jesus. We come to you with humility. We come to you with all our heart, with our whole soul, with all that's in us. We want to seek you. to give you a sacrifice of praise and thanks. Do that in us as a church, as a body. Work in us as a church, as a body, we pray. If you're here, you don't know Jesus, and this has pricked your conscience, I, I pray you and ask, you will repent and trust Christ. You'll come and be saved and escape the wrath to come. I encourage all of us to take these few moments to ponder what we've seen in God's word to drive us to more love and devotion to our Savior, to our Lord, for being so merciful to us. Take this time, please, to, to take seriously what God has said to us from his word. Do that now, please.